Okay guys, so today we're gonna to dive right in and talk about what it is that the leader really, really does and what you need to understand about this and why it is so hard for vets to do this. It seems like it's almost impossible at times. So let's break this down. If you are in a leadership role in a practice, then you have got some very, very important things that you have to be doing, and none of them are clinical. Now, it does depend a lot on which level of leadership you are at. There will be different things that happen depending on the level, but what is absolutely true to say is the more senior you get within an organization, the more time you will you'll be using your brain to think and the less time you'll be using your brain to actually do. Now, so that means if you're like a leader and you've just been promoted to be head of a team or you're a clinical director, then you're gonna to have to split your time. There's still gonna be some clinical case volume for you to deal with, but there's a few other things that are now on your plate that you are gonna to have to dedicate some time to. And if you don't, then there's gonna be pain for you down the track. If you've just been promoted into being a regional manager, director, or if you're now moving up the chain and you're becoming something more senior on one of the senior uh, boards, whether that's a clinical board or whether that's an executive team or C-suite, then you know, you're gonna have fewer and fewer technical skills and more and more leadership skills associated. And if you're a practice manager or practice owner, then it may well be that you are, you again, you've got that kind of split where you have got to do some of your things that are gonna be technical, like clinical stuff, and some of them are gonna be leadership stuff. So what are the four things that a leader really, really does? When, it, when it's all said and done, we talk about loads of things that leaders do, whether that's creating the vision, having ideas, and all those things, but actually there's a process of four things that every leader needs to be spending time on. And if you spend time on these things, then you're, you're, the quality of your work as a leader is gonna improve. So what are those four things? Well, the first thing is to think. Every good leader is gonna to have to spend a significant amount of time thinking. Not just sitting there thinking, looking at the fluffy clouds and, and you know thinking, I wish the practice would be much easier, but thinking critically about the world around whether that's what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on in my team, uh, what I need to understand, where are my sources of information? So thinking is all about gathering information uh, around a subject, uh, around a problem that you're trying to solve or, or an idea that you've had, and then filter out the, the, the noise and come up with a signal in order to be able to form an opinion on something. And that opinion on something is gonna help you lead to leadership activity number two. And this is probably the biggest category of all, which is to make decisions. Leaders ultimately are paid to make decisions, okay? People who work in practices technically are paid to execute on the decisions that have been made. So leadership activity number two is to make decisions. And the quality of your decision-making is incredibly important to the outcomes for you as a leader and for your organization. What you choose to invest, the, the limited resources that you have as an organization, whether that's time, money, uh, assets, whatever, 
you only have a certain number of bets that you can place at any one time in any one business. And so where you place those bets is going to determine what happens next. Who do you hire? That's a bet. What equipment do you invest in? That's a bet. What is your marketing strategy going to be? That's a bet. And they're all based on decisions. So the quality of your decision is going to have a huge impact. And that really is a point of inflection. Uh, you know, it's, it's not so much a crossroads as, you know, it's like your road leading to a network of other options. And it is staggering how many decisions, big and small, that you as a human being have to make every day, but you as a leader have to make that's going to impact on everybody else's life and practice. That brings us to the third thing, that when you've made a decision, the next thing a leader ought to be doing is making a plan based on that decision. So you've thought about what you're going to do, you've decided what you're going to do, and because you've thought about it, you kind of understand why you're going to do that. And now you've got a plan. And that again needs a bit of thinking, right? Because you're going to have to take account of your resources, uh, make, make a timeline for when you're actually going to act on the things you decided to do and 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 basically allocate allocate the the time the energy the resources the money that you need in order to pull this thing you've decided to do together and make it real and that leads us to the fourth leadership activity which is to communicate because ultimately it's not the leader's job to do it's other people's job to do so you've got to communicate the plan get it out of your head or get it out of the leadership group's head and distribute that information to enough people, in fact, to every person that's involved in the plan, so that they know what's required of them, when it's required, what skills are going to be required of them, what reward or incentives there are going to be for them participating in this, either for, for them specifically or for the organization generally, why they should be acting on this as a plan, why it's a good idea. All of that takes communication. So let's just give that a little bit of an example. Uh, an example from practice that is really pertinent and up front and center of everybody's mind in practice just now, and that's recruitment. Right now, it is very, very hard to get clinical staff. And actual, actual fact, it's very hard to retain clinical staff right now. There's a lot of movement in the marketplace, and there's a big leaky bucket uh, happening where you know, a lot of that movement is away from general practice. Uh, and into other opportunities within veterinary medicine, or so the prevailing wisdom uh, seems to believe. So when you're recruiting, most practices are going hell for leather to just keep the doors open right now. They're overwhelmed with the no num amount of work, volume of work that's happening. Uh, they're trying to be everything to every person. And most practices are seeing a very large double-digit increase in revenue and in, in financial performance in their practices right now. Sounds great on paper. Looks great on paper. But the problem is people are burning out. And when somebody burns out or they, you know, they decide to leave or they're poached by somebody else, uh, then, then now you're into this reactive mode where you've got to you know, stop doing something else and now move to recruitment mode. And now you're recruiting in a very pressurized situation. So that's going to potentially lead to you recruiting in haste, if you can even get somebody, or lead to further 
damaging effects of burnout on a team because now we just try to all work harder just to stay still. Really bad situation to find ourselves in. So another way of doing that would be to actually sit down and think about what your recruitment needs or your plan is for the year uh, and, and then decide how many people you're going to need to do that. Who are those people? What do they look like? What skills must they have? Make a plan for when you're going to find those people, where you're going to find those people. You know, who are those people? You know, map that out, paint a picture of who those people are. And what is your strategy going to be for getting in touch with these people to bring them in time that you can give them a good onboarding, train them to the point that they're effective at their job and then deploy them. And then finally, you need to have somebody do that. Now, maybe that's you, maybe that's somebody else, your hiring manager, doesn't really matter. But the point is you've thought, you've decided, you've made a plan ahead of schedule. This is how you get away from that sense of constantly being hammered by the waves that are you know, coming at you and you feel like you've not got any control. So if you, if you feel like you're spinning plates, if you feel like you're constantly putting out fires in your practice, that is just a sure sign that you're not spending enough time on the activities of a leader. You're not thinking about the business in the future sense. You're not deciding in a moment of control where you can make clear decisions, uh, good decisions, rational decisions about what would be best for your practice. You're failing to plan and you're just letting life happen to you. So there's, there's really no communication of anything that you can do there. It's something happens, so you react. You don't really think. Uh, the decision is made fast. There isn't really a plan other than the plan that you already had previously. And, you know, your communication is a desperate plea for other people just to hang on in there till you get somebody in the cavalry arrives. Otherwise known as a train wreck. And that describes what's happening in veterinary practices all the time. So it sounds pretty obvious that one way is better than the other. But if that's the case, then why on earth aren't we doing it more? And here's the reason. In order to spend time thinking, spend time deciding, spend time planning, and spend time communicating, you kind of have to do that intentionally. And you have to create time to do that. So there's problem one. Most of you are completely overtasked with the immediate overwhelm of clinical work, and you've prioritized that over the much more important leadership work. Uh, that cannot be done by anybody else, okay? So number one reason that people are not th you know, acting like leaders should act is because they have prioritized something less important over leadership activity. And the reason this happens is that clinical work has immediate gratification associated. Case comes in, work it up, case gets better or there's an outcome. Uh, you get paid for it in the short term. So it's also very clear the impact of the decision making when, you, when you're working on clinical work. Like it gets better, it doesn't get better. So there's feedback, short term feedback, which if it's getting better is, is wonderful, feels good. There's financial input, which short term is wonderful, it's good. And it's also really urgent. It calls for our attention. And of course, it's what many of us were trained to do. Respond to the urgent. That's what we do as healthcare providers, right? Problem is that it leaves absolutely no space for the much, much more important and much higher value leadership activities, the processes. So what I'm asking you to do is do something that actually 
has a very delayed gratification because when you're making big leadership decisions about strategy, hiring strategy, hiring process, what, where you're going to place your bets with resources, there is no immediate gratification for that. You don't know if it's a good decision or not. And the, the, the results of that decision are, are not going to be felt for weeks, months, sometimes even as long as years. So it, there, is, there is this sort of delayed gratification or delayed feedback loop. It is therefore very ambiguous, the value of that activity. You know, it's very clear when you're doing clinical work what the value is, but it's quite ambiguous what the value of leadership work is. And it is non-urgent because it's hard to see the impact of it. It can sense, it can feel like it's quite non-urgent. So it's hugely important, but it's not screaming for your attention right now. Until you're sat there with your third glass of wine on a Tuesday evening thinking, why is this so hard and you're starting to feel like you can't go on? That's why this is urgent. Because if, if you don't think, if you don't decide, if you don't plan, if you don't communicate, that's where you're going to end up in this marketplace. It's almost impossible it could be otherwise. So I hope by listening to this little podcast, what I've opened up your eyes to is that there is another way and it requires you to accept the role of the leader. Not passively, but actively. And what I mean by that is, I hope what you're going to do after listening to this podcast is exactly what I said in the podcast. Think about what I've said and think about the most important stuff that if you fixed, it would solve your problem. Not just now, but for years to come and you would actually really enjoy working in your job with your team and owning a practice if that is you. Then I want you to decide to make some change. What will that change be? And when it comes to leadership, it's a question that is really simple. What are you going to put down so that you can pick up this task? Because you, you, you probably don't have more hours in your day. So you're going to have to substitute some of something for some of something else. And what I'm suggesting is that you need to put down something that feels urgent in order to pick up something that is really, really important. Then that's going to need a plan. So if you're going to put it down, what are you going to put down? When are you going to put it down? How are you going to put it down? How are you going to manage the impact that that's going to have? And finally, now you're going to have to communicate this to the people that matter on your team, perhaps the clients. Uh, perhaps you're going to close for three hours a day or make yourself unavailable for three hours of a day every week so that you can spend that time on quality leadership activity. When you start to do that, I think you're gonna to start to see some, some things changing and you are by definition going to start to become a better leader. So I'm curious to know what you think of this. I'm curious to know the things that stop you being able to put things down or what things you might like to pick up. And I'm curious to, to hear how it goes from you. Like when you do this, if you do this, what did you think? What did you decide? What was your plan and how did you communicate it? So that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us. Until next time, from all of us here at VetX International, be safe, be well, and be happy.